Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Build Your Team. As always, I am your host, Ativa, and today I have with me my new friend, and we were just in the same city. Well, he lives there. I was visiting, didn't know he was there. Wish I had known so we could have hung out together. Chase Coher of Aim for Hire. Now, the thing that you're going to hear today is Chase is one of those people who they realize there is a problem in the hiring industry when it comes to recruiters, especially technical recruiters. And we're going to talk a bit about that today. And as always, we're brought to you by Client Attraction Pros, helping thought leaders make video marketing fun, easy, and painless. I gotta tell you something about Chase. He didn't know I was gonna say this, but I gotta tell you this about Chase. Chase won an award. He is the 2022 Founders to Watch. He was named the 2022 Founders to Watch by Startup Weekly. Yo, that's big. He's, he's doing things. He's moving. Chase, welcome to the show. It's great to have you, buddy. Great to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Now. I said to everybody that I was just in the city where you are, but what city is that? That is Austin, Texas, man. Austin, Texas. The beautiful thing about Austin is it is a beautiful city. And if you don't know this and anyone listening, you want to buy some real estate, now's the time because Austin's going to be real expensive next week. <laughs> <laughs> the price has changed from the time we started this podcast, man. It's just going yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it is. And it's because there's so many tech farms that are moving to Austin, right? It's the new, almost like the baby Silicon Valley in New York City, right? That's right. Yeah, obviously it's been over the course of several years, but I think kind of COVID expedited a lot of movement here. We've got Facebook, Google, Amazon, Tesla, Elon Musk has a place here or spends a lot of time here. So it's starting to become that next Silicon Hills, I think is what they like to call it here. So <laughs> I, I don't know if I love that or not, but I guess I can get on board with that. Yeah, I see that. I can hear that. It's a good thing to have and be in a burgeoning city like that. And so you started a company in a burgeoning city, right? And it's a place where all the tech is going and you started a tech recruiting firm. <laughs> Right. Here's the thing I want to share with you guys. And I think you'll resonate with all of this listeners, because I know this is you too, because we've talked about this. I know this is you too. You started your business because you realized there was a problem in the industry. You realized that something was broken, fundamentally broken, and you had to fix it. And that's why you've been in business. Now, Chase, when we were talking, that's you too. Hell yeah. So what was yeah. broken? <laughs> Where can we start, man? How much time you got? I think I was very centric on Austin. And I think there's a lot of parallels to obviously Austin and many other cities that have a tech company presence, startups, big companies. But in my kind of small world, I just kept seeing how transactional I think recruiting and hiring can be. It's very much putting butts in seats and however many resumes it takes to get that button to seat is what a company's metric is going to be driven by software, especially. It's the fastest moving, modernizing, constantly changing environment industry in the world. If you aren't studying and researching and talking to engineers and trying to understand the newest landscape every week, then you're falling behind. And I think too often the bigger recruiting companies, the people that become the managers teach 
their people how they learned a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And it kind of creates just this cycle of really outdated information and outdated process. I think we've seen a lot of the ways that engineers spend time and GitHub and LinkedIn and different avenues than they did three or four years ago. So if you're trying to find top engineers on monster.com and it ain't happening, that's just not how the world works anymore. Really in a big picture scenario, I think it's just outdated and frankly, attention to detail is probably like a core part of that is just people and recruiters kind of unwillingness to try to figure out a way to stay on top and be in the know of the tech world. Wow. So, you know, what's interesting about that, and I completely understand because there was a time, and when I say it was a time, I'm talking back in the early 2000s. You know, what's so funny. So often when I want to say 2001, I say 2021. And yeah, I'm just backwards right now. Anyway, <laughs> 2001 to about 2005, my resume was actually out there. And, and believe it or not, I still get called today. Really? Yes. I still get calls today. And people who say, I have a job for opportunity for you. I'm like, you do know, number one, the resume is old. And number two, I was an ASP.net developer. <laughs> yeah. Easy jump to Java. And so that's a lot of what you're saying there. But the reality is we all kind of face this because especially when we are in business, because we've seen a broken process and we decide to start a business to fix that broken process, we then end up in this situation where now we're trying to hire people into our company, which is, I know where you are as well, where you're bringing in people to work with you and say, Hey, the process out there is broken. We're going to do it differently, but they've been trained by that. Right. Right. So couple questions here. Number one, how do you find the people who are trainable, malleable into learning that one, it's broken and we can fix it. And here's how we can fix it. That's the first question. Yeah. I mean, billion dollar question, right? I think personally, when you're a services company, especially, and obviously we provide recruiting services, there is no product. There's nothing proprietary about what we offer. So really your product is your people. I mean, your company, Mm -hmm. your team, how they act, how they perform. That's our product. That's our brand. I can speak specifically to that. And then obviously working with product tech companies, SaaS products, it's a bit different, but I'd say, especially for our team, it's been finding looking at someone's background, whether that be they were a student athlete in college, or they were able to work a job and put themselves through college or internships that they showed effort, maybe manual labor services. They worked as a server at a restaurant. To me, I think you look for those little instances where like, did they do things they really didn't feel like doing, but they had to do it and they got it done. I feel like that's a critical thing that we look for in people's backgrounds is is have they been a part of an environment where they know what it takes to win? And sometimes it's not the most fun or easy to do activities, but they're willing to put in that effort to see the result. About half our team is actually former college athletes. So 
a lot of them sports in a lot of ways were their job yeah. through college and still yeah. going to classes and putting themselves through school and earning a scholarship in many cases. I really like to understand, even if you're hiring someone that has 10, 20 years of experience, I really like to look back to early out of college, kind of what were they willing, how scrappy were they early on? And then of course, if you can look at their recent work experience, kind of understanding, just looking at tenure which engineer software engineers have a tendency of going one year, one year, one year, one year, or they're mm -hmm. contracting. So it's not always their fault. I mean, sometimes with the way the market was, I mean, you were getting 20, 30 K more every time you jump jobs, it's hard to blame them for that. But I do think if you're looking for someone that's really kind of, like you said, moldable, bought in uh, agile, those are the kind of things I look for is like, have they been on small teams Have they worn different hats and can they explain kind of that? What's their passion? I think you kind of quickly identify those things in a couple interview questions. It's so interesting that you bring that up. And it's something that we talk about here on build your team. And as we talk about building team is number one, what are the values of your company? You didn't use the word values. You are saying that like, I'm looking for people who are scrappy. I'm looking for people who have shown grit. I'm looking for people who are willing to do the thing that it takes to get the job done, even if it may not be the thing that they love, but they know that's what I've got to go through. Right? Exactly. And the more formal answer is, yeah, I mean, you want to line up your values with the people you're hiring for the first six months, it was just me. And now we're 16, 17 people. And awesome. I think your values kind of build because originally my values have morphed a bit with adding new people to the company and they've brought different skill sets and desires and passions to the table. There are values you have to stick with as a company, as you build your team, but also I don't see anything wrong with kind of adjusting your values based on the people you hire, because I think in a lot of ways, again, like we said, the people are the product, the people are the company Absolutely. and teams change. I mean, you don't always have to be the same thing year over year. I mean, a lot of recruiting companies have done that and it's kind of gotten them in the position they are today. So full circle there. So let me ask you this, where did you start with values then in terms of the company and that have grown as you've added more people? And the second part of that question is if you're growing, because there's also a tendency in there, if I could say to howtail to, and that's not what we're saying either, <laughs> yes. right? So how do you avoid that? <laughs> oh man sorry I, I didn't even hear it you said cowtail yes like you know bend over give in acquiesce maybe that's a better <laughs> word acquiesce the sounds, sounds more official how about that that does sound more official building those values i think it's challenging i think you said like what was something that we tried to build on i think being agile adaptive and attention to detail a lot of A's there or companies called aim for hire. So I tend to stick with the A letters, but it's hugely important to build a culture. But I think when you're hiring, especially early on, man, it's so pivotal to just make sure you're making the right hires. I think being agile, being adaptive, really synonyms in a lot of ways, but in the tech world, it's a world that's constantly changing. Well, frankly, to me, if you can't adapt, you die. I mean, that's kind of in my mind, how it works in the tech space is if you aren't willing and able to move with the market, move with trends, move with technology, then you're going to get left behind. So I think that's probably kind of going along with grit and willingness to put in the work and then attention to detail. That's where you and I were talking about offline, just tech recruiters trying to just 
be on the forefront of understanding that .NET developers aren't going to be Java developing anytime soon. Anytime soon. <laughs> and vice versa. Those are core principles I'm sure a software engineer learns in day one of computer science degree. But to a recruiter, most of us are communications, sales, marketing degrees. You have to sit down and actually learn these types of things. And it's not always recruiters fault. I mean, sometimes they get into one of these big shops and they're just told what to do. So I think that's part of is someone that needs to be curious and willing to go out and kind of figure out like, yeah, study the game film as a lot of athletes here, we use a lot of sports analogies, but do your homework study up on the opponent that you're going up against and understand yeah. kind of where your strengths are and where they aren't. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. We could probably dive into the whole athlete thing for a whole 30 minutes by itself. So I'm <laughs> avoiding it because I know my tendency there. So just, just putting that out there. Uh, <laughs> there's a, a point that you made. I know is the sticking point for a lot of people in hiring. And so my question here with this point is what's the advice that you give to your clients and how do you deal with this within your own company? What happens when you make the wrong hire? There's two different thought processes or ways to go about it that I feel like I see people go is one is be quick to hire or quick to fire kind of that mentality. Others, I think you probably try to take the necessary steps to seeing if that bad hire can be rescued in any way or repositioned. But to me, I'm a big transparency kind of person. And I think again, on a sports team, if you have someone that doesn't fit, usually they're capable of doing the skills necessary to still contribute to the team, but you need to have that difficult conversation with them on what you need from them. And then you can kind of really judge, are they willing to adapt? and fit in with this team. And if not, then you can let them go. But the counter to that is you just wasted three, four, five months, and you might've caused that bad hire to spoil your team. You have one bad app on a team. It can kill your team vibe. It can kill the culture and could kill what you guys are trying to accomplish. To be frank, I like to give people at least 90 days because I think it's just so much to take on when you're first joining. But I think it's a calculated risk that companies have to take. If you're going to make a hire, I think you owe it to that candidate to at least give them time to acclimate and try to find their position on the team. Yeah. But at the ones that are quick hires, quick fires, I, I guess I get it, but it can be pretty brutal if yeah, no, that's your mentality yeah. at times. Yeah, no, that's very, very, very true. And I, and I think people get stuck there because of that, because it's like, geez, 90 days. So let me give you my perspective if, if I could on that too, as we talk about this. For those of you who are listening, you've heard me say before, and this is a hard one for you to swallow and I get it, but 99 times out of hundred, when you make a bad hire, it's your fault. And it's your fault because one, either you weren't clear on your values. And so maybe they violated your values or two, you weren't clear on what you actually wanted them to do. You put a good person in a bad system. It's funny because I, I told you I was just in Austin and Ryan Dice from Digital Marketer said that from stage. She's like, there's so many of you. And he said, you put good people in bad systems and then you blame the people. But you're responsible for the system. That's right. Right. Or you hire them. And let me ask you if you see this, you hire them and you expect them to come up with the system. 
Right. Right. You bring up, I think, a really valuable point. Is like, is it the wrong hire because of a skill issue, or is it the wrong hire because it's a culture core value misalignment? I think the latter, you have to be quick to act. If there's somebody that's either undermining your values or trying to disrupt what you built. But if you're taking a good person and bringing them in a bad situation, that responsibility falls on the company leadership. But if you take a bad person, you bring them into a good system, then you let that bad person start to undermine the core values of the team, then you're really in trouble. I would probably selfishly or personally say that in that kind of situation where it's a culture values misfit, you probably want to be quicker to act because I don't know if that person's values are going to be able to change in 90 days. Um, Not usually. Not usually. Whereas a skill thing, then maybe you can kind of level set with them of like, listen, we hired you as a lead engineer. Now we're realizing you're probably not that high level, but maybe we can find other ways for you to contribute. I think that's completely fair. But like you said, the responsibility falls on the hiring team and they make the calculated risk of bringing that person on knowing what they know. It's interesting. Rarely are they really held responsible. Sometimes, like you said, it's the team and the company that or the team and like the individual employees that, that it falls on. So I think that's kind of how the world works. I don't know. Top level leadership usually blames the lower levels. They do. But at the same time, when you're sitting here and you're saying that you're scared to hire someone, and especially if you're looking at a past failure and pointing the finger at the person, there's a moment in time when you have to realize really me because I didn't, let me give you full transparency. We had to let go someone two weeks ago Okay, on our team. I've hired this person and I knew coming in that this person had never worked on a team before, which is a rare thing, but I knew that, right? And I also hired this person to work very closely with me, knowing that they're going to report directly to me, but need to talk to other people on the team. And I figured out it'll be okay. And I evaluated the fit of values and it looked like, okay, this will work and we can work together. This will work well. And the thing that I missed though, was how important it was that she had never worked on a team before. And not only did she never worked on it on one, but she wasn't really willing to work on one. That it was a deliberate choice to take jobs where she was working alone. Interesting. Right. As entrepreneurs, I feel like there's a blind spot to when you start a company and then you start having people to apply to your jobs and want to join your company. It's kind of like a self-fulfillment thing of like, wow, we've made it. People want to join my company and it starts to kind of give you that. But then I feel like you kind of develop sometimes blind spots, but around just, are they going to fit great? Or are you like so excited that they're excited about what you're doing, what you built? that yeah. you kind of lose sight of, do they have the tangible experience or skills that I think is going to translate to what we do, but an individual versus a team, that's a difficult one. Cause I think that's a calculated risk of bringing someone on that's not accustomed to a teamwork environment, but as an individual that's got along that far in their career by being a one man, one woman type of operation, a person's probably an incredibly hard worker. They don't need someone oh. to tell, tapping on their shoulder, yeah. telling them what to do. So there's a lot of attractive qualities in someone like that. And sometimes you can't blame yourself for taking a calculated risk on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, she was great, to be honest with you. She was great. She did fantastic work. However, 
She missed all the team meetings. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good start. <laughs> right? But her, what she produced was amazing. But she didn't want to talk to anybody else. Only me. Mm -hmm. Only showed up when I was there. That doesn't work. But for those of you who are listening, that's the beauty of this. Is like you do, and I, I've learned from that situation and I had to realize I made that choice. It wasn't about her. Yes, we had to let her go and it's bad, but it was because of a choice I made and I need to learn and grow through that. And that's where you have to be every single time you're looking at hiring someone, right? Now, Chase, as we begin to wrap up here, I want to make sure that everybody understands your company, what you do and who you serve. So my friend. Elevator pitch time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we are a boutique tech recruiting agency. So we partner predominantly with funded, well, often funded, sometimes just purely bootstrap profitable tech startups between kind of 50 to 500 employees. Most of them have a presence in Austin, though we do some recruitment kind of across Texas. A little bit in the Bay Area, in California, though, I think lots of companies try to avoid the cost of living and pricing over there to hire somebody. And then we do some work in Florida as well from a recruitment perspective and then fully remote hiring. So we kind of cover the gambit, but for the most part, it's software engineering type roles, products, design, development, management, and really on teams that are trying to make critical hires, kind of like we've talked about the ones that are understand that the wrong hire can kill their team or company or their mission. and so we enjoy fighting for those smaller companies who are often going after the same talent that Amazon, Google, Facebook are also trying to attract. Usually it, it can take a, an army to kind of find and attract that talent. So we take a lot of pride in kind of representing smaller companies and trying to attract that talent. That's awesome, man. Now, how do they find you? <laughs> I live on LinkedIn, man. The LinkedIn's my second home. Chase Cower on LinkedIn, aimforhire.com. It's a number four in between AIM and Hire, H-I-R-E. Website, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. You hit us up anywhere there, I'll make sure we get in contact with you. Fantastic. And for everybody, as always, we'll put all of Chase's contact information down below. So that you can just click on it. There we go. You don't have to remember that it was a four between a, no, no. <laughs> just click on it. You're good to go. All right. Chase, brother, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being here. We still got to talk sports and sports analogies. Maybe we'll do another show. Maybe we'll do that one when I'm in Austin. We'll do there it in we person. Would love that. All right, thanks my friend. Me. You're welcome. As always, I will see everybody real soon. And Chase, again, thanks for being here. Bye, everybody. Absolutely.